Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. We are doing something that we absolutely love to do here, which is to do a three-part mini-series with somebody who we have identified in the industry as somebody who does something truly fundamentally unique and different and incredibly valuable to financial services professionals. We have had the opportunity to share the stage with him. We've had the opportunity to watch our guest um, on stage presenting in front of some of the top advisors uh, all over the United States, a person who runs amazing events and has some really great resources that we're actually going to talk about a little bit more in podcasts two and three of this mini series. Ross Marino, he's been a financial planner for the last 30 years. He's a CFP. He's a certified financial transitionist. Here's the cool thing. He actually taught retirement and employee benefits in the CFP program. So he's really an expert when it comes to all of this. And he's the founder of something called Advisor 2X, which like I said, we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, later down the road in this podcast. But uh, Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Matt. I'm glad to be on it. Well, so we start podcasts like this off the same way, which is I think it's important for our guests to understand who Ross Moreno is, what really makes you tick, and what makes you unique and different. So would you mind just giving us a brief history of uh, how you got to where you are today? Sure. I was destined to be a financial planner, even though I had no idea what that was. When I was in the ninth grade, I received a money magazine as a birthday present. And at that moment, I was done. I was fascinated with investments and finances and business. As I went into high school, I ended up getting a subscription to Psychology Today, having no idea that really financial planning is a combination of the person side and the financial side. But I loved it. Eventually, I got into the business after college. And by age 30, I became a certified financial planner. And I started teaching retirement planning and employee benefits in the CFP program. And that's really where things started to change. I had never taught professionally before. I had taught consumers and I had done seminars and so forth and always loved teaching. But to actually sit with your peers, people who love to help other people make financial decisions, it was cool. And I loved it. And I did it for many years. And I would have lots of conversations offline with these advisors. And to just fast forward that, I ended up starting a branch, ended up hiring people, but really my passion on top of that was to help advisors. So we ended up launching Advisor 2X, which is a company to help advisors grow their practice. One of your major foundations in your education and what you learned was that traditional retirement planning has truly fallen short. What what do you mean by that? And how has that been a catalyst for everything else that you've done? Understanding the process of retirement planning is different than understanding the person you're trying to help. And as I said, I was a CFP by the time I was 30. I had read plenty of financial books. I would have considered myself at that time well-read and well-rounded for my age, which I think a lot of people in their 20s think that as well. And well, we weren't exactly right. But at that time, I was still around 29, 30 years old. And even though I was in the middle of a a life-altering hardship, which we can talk about at another time, I really hadn't lived life. 
And really, there's no substitute for experience. In order to have maturity, to achieve wisdom, it just takes time. It takes a lot of time. And a 30-year-old, no matter how smart they are, no matter what they scored on the CFP exam, they're going to struggle to connect with a 65-year-old and really understand how they're feeling about retirement and what they're looking forward to or, or what they're fearful of. Now, I'm not discounting financial planning knowledge. Competency is a requirement. Well, it should be a requirement. Designations like the CFP, the RMA from the Investments and Wealth Institute, these are important. That's the foundation. But remember that the financial planning process or the retirement planning process, I'll interchange them occasionally, it focuses on the financial aspects. And in that sense, it doesn't fall short. It is the foundation. But if you really want to provide financial planning services, I think you need to be a CFP. You can look for post-CFP designations, but you're going to have to dive deeper. These designations are not designed to give you a deep understanding of the human side of financial planning. You know, when I speak at conferences, much like you, one of the questions that I'd love to ask is how many people uh, have their undergraduate degree in either communication or psychology? And so many people raise their hands, Ross. And the people who I think have done this advanced sort of uh, studying especially into behavioral finance, into psychological techniques, into marriage and family counseling, all of these things, all of a sudden they have this tool belt that they've never had before. In fact, just to digress for a moment, when I was a, when I was a therapist, um, we weren't allowed to talk about money, dude, like at all. And we would work with people who had money as a major trigger for things like depression, anxiety, uh, mania, other psychological issues. And we were not allowed to talk about it at all, which is one of the reasons why I was so excited when I moved into this. But how can advisors move past that? So they don't have to get their master's degree as therapists. They don't have to, um, you know, uh, become licensed clinical social workers. What can they do to help them move beyond just these traditional numbers-based financial planning systems that they're taught? We really have to find your why. You have to dive deeper. And the way we do that is you have to go beyond active listening, which we're trained as advisors and many salespeople are trained, and you have to go to deep listening. And I have to credit the Financial Transitioners Institute for understanding what deep listening is. Now, active listening, which we all do, and many of us do it instinctively, is the way we affirm that we're listening. Sometimes we sub-vocalize and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, or we do agreements. I understand. Oh, I see. Yes, that does make sense. And as you get into the flow, you may repeat back to people so they know that I was listening. And that's how people know they're being heard. What it doesn't do is show that I actually understand what they're thinking or feeling. Active listening, which we do in our normal day, it's not enough. It's the deep listening that allows you to understand what people mean, how they feel. It's really more diagnostic than it is data gathering with a Q&A. And by understanding and diving into what people are really feeling, that's when we can go beyond traditional retirement planning. Now, I know there's many advisors out there that use Socratic questioning. Uh, meaning they just assume they're ignorant and they keep asking questions. An example would be someone says, I want to retire. 
Well, we could say, why? Is it just to escape the grind? You know, maybe they are sick of the stress, but what would life be like if you didn't have the stress of work? What do you think you would do if you weren't thinking about work all day long? And you want people to explore what really is driving what they desire and what they want. And when you do that, it's probably not going to be a conversation based on finances. It's going to be a conversation based on what really matters to them. And that's where we have to get to as advisors. And they also have to get to things that they can control. It always cracks me up, Ross, how... Uh, so much advisor communication is is market centric, right? Uh, well, the Dow did this today, and equities, blah blah blah, and futures, right? And so, but that's not really what people want to talk about. This is what people want to talk about. I love the question why. Um, the other thing that we do in deep listening is we'll say things like, tell me more about that. Now, we use, so that's very Socratic too, by the way, because I'm using tell me more about that. And that, to me, that word that might mean something very different than what it means to you. But it's not about me. It's about you. You might take that wherever. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting gold here from asking you these you know, open-ended questions. And I need to be specific because we still have to do our fact-finding and data gathering and gathering and all that stuff. But I love where you're going with this. But goals-based planning is, 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 has been the rage. It's going to be continued to be all the rage because it's really part of really what makes a great financial planner. But how do you integrate that the, what you're talking about, the deep listening and really truly looking at the human side into goals-based financial planning? The goal is always going to be, as an advisor, to find out what really matters to that client. And goals-based financial planning has limitations. But I'll also say it's wonderful, and it's where you should start. So I don't want it to sound like it's not enough or it's not adequate. Um, people know what they don't want to happen in life. They may have trouble articulating what they do want. But when you go through goals-based financial planning, we can talk about what they don't want. And here's what I think every client talks about, or at least every client. They don't want to run out of money. They don't want to be forced to work. They don't want to have limitations on healthcare options. They certainly don't want to be a burden to their children. And we know many of them don't want to leave their beneficiaries with a mess to clean up. Although some people actually don't care about that, and we have to help them not leave a mess for someone to clean up. Now, these are goals that most people have. They're addressed during the financial planning process, and it's when you review estate planning and insurance planning, and you move all through that. that. So as you do goals-based planning, you're going to hit the goals that are common to most people in their later years in life that they want to avoid. Um, Aaron Botsford is a retired advisor. She also has a coaching program called the Elite Advisor, and there's a section in her training called Disturbing Tracks. I love her Disturbing Tracks. It's a simple process of asking questions, and it helps the client understand or kind of think about the what-if aspects of life. And it's all the things that they don't want to happen. And it's part of what Erin calls her approach talk. And as she walks through that, she's able to help clients see what they don't want but eventually, she gets to transition 
to help people see what they do want. And you look for opportunities to help the people around you who you love and to also do things that matter to you. And it's all part of a process. But why I like it is because you really catch people's attentions with the things that they don't want with the disturbing tracks. And people are going to be motivated to take care of that right up front. Yeah. And then you have fundamentally changed the relationship with that person for the rest of that person's time with you, right? You, you certainly have. And, and it's, I sound like we're doing a, an Aaron explanation here, <laughs> but with her approach talk, and she hopefully will be a guest on your podcast eventually, because she really is dynamic. But with her approach talk, she actually says that most advisors start with investments. Mm -hmm. And if you start with investments, there's the risk of ending with investments. And now you're stuck. And she makes sure it's the last thing that she brings up. And really, if you do that as an an advisor, you're going to notice that people are okay with it. And they actually like the fact that you're talking about things that matter other than portfolios and returns and so forth. Yeah. You you know, one of the things that really gets me is, is uh, all of the testing that you have to have in order to, to be a a financial advisor is so wrong brain based to what your job really should be. And I think that's why Ross, a lot of people don't enter into financial services is because the seven and the 65 and the 63 and the 24 and the five and the seven and the 20, well, I don't know, there's so many freaking numbers, um, are so prohibitive uh, because most people who need this human aspect and, and, and want to do exactly what you're talking about don't think that way. So how do you do this? So Erin can help you, right? And I love, by the way, I have had a conversation with her. She is going to be on the podcast. In fact, you referred me to her, so I freaking appreciate that. But I want to know more about how you teach And how in your experience of doing this for 30 plus years, how you really integrate this as an advisor. Sure. So you want to take a look at the questions that you're asking. And when a client answers that question, you really push for, tell me more. And and I'll tell you, Matt, I had never really thought about that statement, tell me more. But I'm fortunate that I grew up with a mother who was an executive from the human resources side and did a lot of strategic planning and conflict resolution, I have heard tell me more from her more times than possibly any other statement out of her. And she consults with our businesses here. She works with managers and so forth. And I've watched her do that. And you finally brought it up where it dawned on me. It's the deep listening that she's drawing it out and everybody responds with that. So I think that's really what we have to do. It's to tell me more question or statement really to people to get it out to them. And and here would be an example. So let's say someone says, I want to travel more when I retire. Well, I think that's a goal that almost every client says at some point in time, and they want to travel more. Well, if that happens, I'm going to dive deep and I'm going to say, that's great. Well, where do you want to go to? And maybe dig into why does that seem attractive to you? Well, what would you do when you were there? You know, someone may say their bucket list is a gondola ride in Venice or Maybe they want to hike to Machu Picchu or they're heading to Alaska to see the Northern Lights. Well, I think when you're a kid, you may say, hey, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. I don't think anybody said when I grow up and retire, I want to ride a gondola. That's not something that pops into our head. 
But as we age, we have these bucket list items and these travel ideas that we think, this is what I want to do. Well, why is that so attractive to people? Why are people constantly saying, when I retire, I want to travel more? And it seems to be the most common goal out there. Is it really to travel? Or, or maybe it's just spending time with your family and friends. Is that what it is? Do they want to travel with other people? So tell me more. Let's dive deep. We want to uncover what they care about and why that matters to them. That's the goal. It's not the activity such as travel here, go there, do this, do that. It's the benefit or the experience. And when we do this, we find that many goals require money, but they don't necessarily take a lot of time. You know, maybe it's the bungalow in Bora Bora or Oktoberfest or go run with the bulls in Pamplona. Sounds great. Wonderful bucket list items, but it's not going to last for months and months and months for most people. And I think the reason people are motivated to come up with travel ideas and why this seems like a goal to them that may not work out the way they have, it's because they think it's awesome, but then once they do it, it may turn out to be underwhelming. And we see this with people in retirement all the time. They have goals. They can't wait to retire. But when they do, they find out it's not as fulfilling as they thought. And this is something that is pervasive out there. So the question is, what happened? You know, what went wrong? Did the people not really think about what they wanted to do? Why wasn't it as fulfilling as they thought? Now, last October, I was at Excel 401k, which is a conference that we do, and I was sitting with Patrick Delaney from T. Rowe Price, and we were discussing visualized retirement. It's a resource that they offer, and I love that resource. It talks about helping people go into the conversation of what do I need to think about for retirement? And they'll ask, who will you spend time with? What do you want to do? What do you need to do when you retire? Where do you want to live? When would you like to retire? Why does this seem important to you? These are all wonderful non-financial questions that will eventually lead to making financial decisions. And as we were talking about this, somehow we brought up the idea of the phone call you get from a client. And it's, it's the dreaded call. Most advisors will know what I'm talking about. You pick up the phone. How are you doing today, Mr. or Ms. So-and-so? And the client says, so I'm thinking of buying an RV because I love camping. And you freeze as the advisor. And you kind of close your eyes and think, oh, no, not the $200,000 RV. Because you've seen this before. How many people do we know that have purchased RVs? And then they barely used them. I think it's the retiree version of purchasing a timeshare. Seems like a good idea at the time, but it doesn't turn out to be a smart decision for most of them. The value of so many retirement goals, it's not the actual activity. It's not camping. It's not the RV. It's actually the separation from work. Is it camping that you really love? I would ask a client that if they talk about that RV or camping. Is it really camping? What do you love about it? Maybe it's that there's no emails. There's no meetings. There's no deadlines. The only fire you need to put out, it's the one you made yourself at the campsite. Life's simple. 
It's easy. Ah, the joys of camping. That sounds great. But really, why do you love camping? Well, for many people, it's being able to unplug from day-to-day life. Now, I love the smell of woods. I love the sounds of nature at night. And I do. I often fall asleep to that as I play it on Spotify, lying in my comfortable bed. Now, some people like to be out there for real, and that's great. In my world, I often say that roughing it is staying at the day's end. So I'm not that camping person. For many people, it's staying on the beach, having a morning walk, going out there, feeling the sand through your toes. I think that's wonderful. However, we have to separate the activity from the effect. For many people, it's not the activity that they love so much. It's the effect of being disconnected from the stress and craziness of day-to-day life and their work. And once they retire, all of a sudden, things change. I love separating the activity from the effect. And, and that's, that is truly the, the result, in, in my experience, of that deep listening. It's that opportunity to just kind of continue to go underneath the surface. I, I think it's hysterical. There's so many things that you just said. I want to just touch on a couple of them. Um, number one, so let's say those people want to go ahead and go to travel to Machu Picchu and hike up to Machu Picchu. Well, if they're if they're 150 pounds overweight and they have bad knees, that might not be the best thing for them because there's like a thousand flipping steps in Machu Picchu and it's straight up a mountain. So there's number one. I always like to bring that up because that's, you know, you never know. Or, and if I sold insurance, running it with the bulls in Pamplona would probably be something I'd want them to stay away from unless I knew that I was going to get that money after they got gored by, you know, by a, a, a bull. But um but so let's talk about running with the bulls, right? There's there's they're missing something in their life that's a level of excitement or or uh, something that seems wildly spontaneous and somewhat dangerous. Um, asking those follow up questions, making people think a little bit more about that, will make them a lot of times change their mind about buying that two hundred thousand dollar RV because that's really not what they want. It's, you know, again, it's the freedom. It's the freedom from, uh, it's the control. Uh, it's, it's all of those things that we seem to not have as much when it comes to, to work. Now, let's talk about feelings. Now, this is really funny to me that, that we're going to talk about this today because a lot of advisors still to this day run away from the feelings. When there's emotions being uh, displayed by their clients, they get physically uncomfortable. They do all of these things they're not supposed to do, like hand them Kleenex, pat them on the back and tell them it's going to be okay, which are like the worst things you could possibly do. But let's talk about that feeling. So when you're separating the activity from the uh, effect and all of the sudden these, these clients, Um, start having these epiphanies. Why is that so powerful? I think it's great for them to move down the road to understand what really matters to them. Because oftentimes we do things and we know that it makes us feel good. Or we may do things because everybody says this is important. This is a golden life. You should camp. You should travel more. You should do this or you should do that. But really, the only way it's going to be fulfilling is if we tap into why things matter. And I think where the conversation is going to go, if you try to help people really explore what they like about that goal, it's to understand that the reason that goal seems attractive is the contrast. 
Some of these goals may feel so important to them, but the problem is once they retire, the kids are going to be out of the house. Life becomes much simpler. It's less stressful. And the contrast of their day-to-day life once they're retired isn't dramatically different from what it's like to go camping or to walk on the beach. I don't need to be a psychologist or even play one in order to walk someone down that conversation or through that conversation or down that road. I can help them do that. So I'm not treading in an area that I'm not qualified to talk about because I'm just asking them questions and asking them, what do they think? And if it's helpful, then I'm going to point out that when they're retired, there won't be 50 emails a day. There won't be 20 meetings or calls every single week. You won't be problem solving or engaging in strategic planning. The rushing, the time blocking to make sure you get done what you need to get done. Doing all these these things that require energy, but also create stress. It gives you a high. So much of what occupies your mind when you're working and you're high performing and high functioning, it's about to go poof when you retire. And when that happens, the contrast of all of these goals that seem traditional is going to be so much less than what you think it is now. It may not matter at all. I am going to play somewhat devil's advocate here. And the reason why is you just opened the door for me to play devil's advocate. One of the problems that I think a lot of people have uh, outside the industry, from the outside looking in, and even uh, you know some of the more black and white thinking uh, financial services professionals really have a hard time with planning for the future because there's so many things that are unknown. There's so many variables, not just market-driven variables, uh, you know, economic variables, housing variables, tax variables, but there's many, many life variables. How do you account for that in your 30-plus years of being a financial planner, and how do you talk to advisors about that? This is one of the things I've struggled with over the years, Matt, and it's the idea of planning for a future when the future is not just uncertain, but it doesn't always play out in a way that we could have even imagined. So first we go back to what people don't want to happen. Those are consistent. So the future may be uncertain, but there are risks in the future. And I know what some of those risks are, and I know I want to mitigate them or transfer those risks to somebody else or to a company. So I know I don't want to run out of money. I don't want to have limited healthcare options. I don't want to be a burden to my children. Uncertain future or not, to me, those are certainties of what I don't want to happen. And if I live a great life and I don't run out of money and I have wonderful health till the day my heart stops pumping, it's a bonus. But life may not play out that way. So at least I can plan for that. And as we go down this process, we're able to help people make wise decisions and always encourage healthy activities. But the art of financial planning, it has to go well beyond the goals. And it's because of what you just said, the future is uncertain. And what I've noticed over 30 plus years is that I've done just as much, if not more, financial reacting as financial planning. Life happens, and then things change. Older people already know this because they've lived it. Middle people, 
they're mostly learning it. And I think it's this balance between planning and reacting that is the future of financial planning. We're seeing a strong push towards planning around life events. It's now everywhere in our industry, and I think that's great. Now, some events, they're anticipated. Other events, they're not. They're a shock. Some events, we may say, are wonderful, and I was hoping it would happen my whole life. Other events, they're tragic. But that's life. In our industry, there are thought leaders out there who are actively working on this. They're teaching it, and they've been doing it for a while, and I think that's great. Uh, we'll mention a few. Susan Bradley, of course, Financial Transitionist Institute. She's the founder. They offer the designation Certified Financial Transition Transitionist. It offers a level of insight into how people react during changes or transitions in life better than any curriculum I'm aware of. I went through the program. I achieved the designation, and I will call myself a geek in this business. I've been studying and learning 30-plus years, and I love it. And I remember sharing some of this information a few years ago with my wife as we were talking, and she made the comment of, I have never heard you talk about anything like this in our entire marriage. And we've been married almost 30 years. She's been with me my whole career. So for her to even see that just shows that this is stuff that really wasn't taught much out there. And I think the Financial Transitionist Institute has really brought that forward. And I think it's wonderful. Uh, Mitch Anthony's uh, another person who's been teaching about this for years all over our industry. He, along with Steve Sandusky, just launched ROL Advisor, and it focuses on life-centered planning. It's a wonderful material out there. And then you got individual advisors who I really respect, like Roger Whitney. Uh, he also has his own podcast. He calls his process, process Agile Financial Planning. He uh, just did an interview with Michael Kitzes where he talked about that. And if you listen to what he's talking about, what I think he's going to tell you is, is that we're going to do financial reacting and we're going to do financial planning because things change and you have to think agile. And I think that's great. And you're even seeing firms who are now moving in this direction. United Capital has FinLife and it helps advisors engage their clients in meaningful conversations. It, it's a standalone tool. So advisors don't have to be affiliated with United Capital. So we're seeing this from all different areas. I wouldn't say it's new, but I think the trend is growing, it's accelerating, and there's a mass of people out there who realize we have to dive deeper, and they're trying to do it. Now, to wrap up today's podcast, my, my final question is this red flag that keeps popping up into my brain uh, as I'm hearing you say all of this, uh, which is, isn't this going to be a lot more time for the advisor? I mean, you could be talking about meetings upon meetings and more conversations and more phone calls from your clients. I mean, this kind of goes against a lot of the efficiency things that a lot of advisors are taught, isn't it? You know, it really does. And I think what's fascinating about advisors is there's many businesses out there where their goal may be to generate the most amount of revenue with the least amount of work. And that's normal for them. In our business, for many advisors, it's almost the opposite. It's what is the most amount of work I can do and what are the most amount of services I can provide for my clients for the least amount of money. So we're actually trying to add more value. And there's advisors that they are driven by that. Now, there's some 
who just want to manage portfolios. That's okay. There's some who just want to stick with traditional financial planning. That's okay, too, if that's what they want to do. You know, as advisors, we have the freedom to build the type of practice we want to build. So I'm not discounting any of them. That's great. However, here's what I'll tell you. If an advisor wants to grow their practice, they need to dive deeper into their clients' lives. If they want more referrals and have higher client retention, then they should dive deeper and go beyond traditional asset management or financial planning. If they want to differentiate themselves, then they must offer more than goals-based financial planning. If you want to have an impact on your clients' lives and experience a level of satisfaction greater than you've achieved in this business so far, then dive deeper. I think most advisors nowadays realize that doing more for fewer clients is the key to growing a practice. Eventually, if I do that, then I have to figure out how to do more for more clients. But it really starts with a focus on providing more advice and more services for a focused group or a niche, fewer clients. And one day, if you want to sell your practice, I'm sure you'll receive a higher multiple if you have deeper and more profitable relationships than the average advisors. So what are your goals for your practice? I think for most goals, the keys are deeper relationships, more services. This idea of low maintenance clients, come on, those are temporary clients. They're not clients for life. If you're not doing much for your clients and charging them fees, eventually they're not gonna be your clients. The successful practices in the future they're going to provide more than most advisors are offering today, and I think they'll continue to grow and gain more market share. Ross, this was freaking awesome, man, and I'm really looking forward to these next two podcasts to dive even more deeply into who you are and what you offer for advisors. So, so thank you for being on the show, man. My pleasure. I've been looking forward to it, and I think I told you ages ago, I found your podcast on a drive from North Carolina to Florida, and I binge listened to you the whole way because my kids, well, they had headphones on, <laughs> and I was, I was hooked. I thought it was great. So love what you do in the podcast. You have really interesting guests out there, and I think it's a cool thing. So thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Oh, I got a, I got a cu couple of quick closing thoughts here. You know, we talk on this podcast uh, all the time about really how do you separate yourself from the advisor down the street and everything that Ross just outlined, all of those people's names that he referred to are all people who can help you rise above the noise and really own your market. And last but not least, the goal today in marketing is to create a tribe a tribe of people who believe in you, who believe in who you are and what you do for them. And a tribe is going to want to continue to help you grow that tribe as the leader of the tribe. When you follow these steps, these ideas, use deep listening, go get these extra pieces of education, network with the right people, find a mentor that you can hit your wagon to and learn more from. It changes absolutely everything for you. And finally, when it comes to selling your practice, as Ross just said, you're going to start seeing a substantial change in multiples, the multiple that your business is worth, depending on the kind of relationship you have with your clients, the services that you offer, and the level and the focus of your niche.
Because if you have built a tribe, even if another person comes in to run that tribe, those people who are your tribe aren't going to go anywhere. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. And if you have any topic ideas, please make sure that you email me, Matt, at topadvisorm, that M is for marketing.com. And if you know somebody who really, truly needs to listen to this, it's super easy. All you have to do is click that share button. You can share this on social media. You can share this uh, through your email or really just hand your phone over to a friend and make them listen to this podcast. For everybody uh, with Ross Marino, Advisor 2X, and everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing, we will see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.